It's ten times the terror. Hello and welcome to Ten Times the Terror. Not okay. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Barbie. Uh, hi, Barbie. Oh, hey, Ellen. Hello, and welcome to 10 Times a Terror. If you can't tell, we are talking about Barbie this week. Needless to say, we all loved this movie, have seen it multiple times. And I'm Gwen, and I'm here with James and Paul. And we have a special guest, Liz, reoccurring, who's our other family member obsessed with film. So everybody say hi. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi. So, just to recap for the people that are living under a rock, Barbie came out two weeks ago, starring Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling, as well as a huge cast, directed by Greta Gerwig. It is well on its way now to easily hitting the billion mark um, globally, I think, any day now. It was the number one female-directed release for Greta Gerwig. It is now, and James, I don't know if you knew this, it is now the number one film for Margot Robbie in terms of sales and the number one film for Ryan Gosling in terms of sales of their own careers. So and then, this And it's not even close. Like it's, it's not, not yeah, close. not even close. And we're only 2 weeks in. Like we I mean it's unbelievably earth-shattering this film. It's amazing. It's a love letter to women, but it's also enjoyable for everybody. Um we're going to get into all kinds of stuff, a lot of heavy stuff to talk about. But initially we'll start with what everyone's initial reaction of the film was. For me, I cried, I laughed, I felt like this movie changed my life, and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I think there is gonna be, uh, you know, there's like before the Barbie movie and after the Barbie movie. Definitely. And that's just like, it's like a dividing line in our culture now. I'm seeing a lot more pink in my life these days. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's got major philosophic issues, uh, major mythical issues. Uh, it taps into a lot of very, very extensive and deep stuff and a lot to talk about. Uh, and the fact that it's able to kind of carry a, a, a heavy weight with a lot of, of this material without it becoming either just obscure or uh, tiresome uh, is a real commendable point. I mean, I think there's a lot of films that try to deal with heavy subjects and the net result is not that impressive. This keeps a light tone. Yes, and, but it still it still was so much heavier than I ever even anticipated. You know, like I went into it thinking it was going to be very female empowered and you know feminist driven, but I was shocked at how how close to home it hit for so many women in such an emotional way, um, as well as just addressing you know patriarchy and all all of those things and and a woman's role and X Y and Z and even a men's role and how they both suffer from that. But so just to give the synopsis, which I actually think is a pretty bad synopsis, um, it says Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. I feel like that's like a terrible description of what the movie is. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Where's that from? That's IMDb. Yeah. I was We're actually going to say, like, to Dad's point, um, you know, I think actually on the poster it says like the Barbie movie, and um, I feel like the film needs kind of an upgrade to like the Barbie film in the way that like you know obnoxious <laughs> highbrow like like film <laughs> critics might make a distinction between a movie which is like just for entertainment and a film which deals with like artistic 
you know, themes. Right. It really is like the Barbie film. Oh, totally. <laughs> I like that you know, Brad is not on this, but Brad, I'm sure, uh, has studied a lot of this philosophic stuff. I mean, there's there, this is not by accident. Uh, and we, we went back and looked at, at, at uh, Greta Garbo's uh, first two films. Gerwig. Yeah. Sorry, Dad. Uh, Lady Bird and Little Women. <laughs> and you know, they all have this continuing theme about the role of women, the role of women in hostile and certain cultures. So this is a culmination of, of well, not of only two films, which are pretty impressive. Um, but we're, we're dealing here with some of the most uh, critical themes in, in contemporary philosophy. Yeah. Uh, well, what, what do you see as, as, as those themes being? Because I, like, for me, I kept thinking about Plato and feeling like there's, there's, there's sort of this, like, you know, shadow dwellers versus the, you know, kind of like pulling back the curtain and seeing, like, who, who's making the shadow puppet situation where you no longer can live in the cave when you know better. But what other, like, what other philosophic themes were, were you thinking of, Dad? Well, uh, definitely uh, Martin Heidegger. Uh, whose major work was um, a book called uh, um, not the Being and Becoming? No, um, Being in Time. Oh, being yeah, Being in Time. And he has this concept that's uh, not easy to translate. I mean, he comes out of himself, Dasein, uh, which is literally the idea of being thrown up against something. It's just thrown out in something. And he says that all of human, all of our lives are thrown up against the reality of death. And the goal, I'm, you know, condensing huge amounts of stuff, but that the goal of life is to have an authentic existence in the face of death. A quick caveat here. He was a big supporter of Hitler. So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Immediately <Yeah>. canceled. <laughs> but, um, Ring the endorsement. He, he still was a major uh, philosopher of the 20th century. And, and the... The, the reference to, to death early in the film where everything just goes cold, that's exactly Heidegger. That's his point, is that we're thrown up against a reality of death over which we really have no control uh, and even very little awareness. So uh, that and then this idea of what does it mean to be, um, to be uh, uh, an, an authentic person. Mm -hmm. You know, it's at at the very end. We know now Barbie is is a uh, a fully fully a woman. She's coming to see her gynecologist. Well, there's the authentic existence. So it's bookend. That that's not accidental. I mean, I'm I, and I hope somebody sits um, was it uh, Greta Gerwig sits sits her down and and asks about this because th this isn't stuff you just stumble on out of nowhere. No, I mean, Dad, I, it's funny because as you point out those themes, like I was thinking about it much in terms of just sort of like the tradition of toy movies or stories like Pinocchio and the Velveteen Rabbit, who are both, you know, their goal is to become real, like a real boy or a real rabbit. And as they go through their journey, you know, whether it's because they, they're loved or they demonstrate love, they earn the ability to become real. And then, you know, at the end of each story, you know, Pinocchio is sort of symbolized by having real legs and like running like a real boy or like the Velveteen Rabbit has like real hind legs. And, and you know, and then the, it's just like exactly the way Barbie suddenly, she's suddenly a real woman. She also has like a real vagina now. <laughs> and I feel like 
that even though like the level on which you're talking about it is so much deeper and so much more profound, it still also operates on this level where it's in line with these like stories about toys. And I think that's one of the things that makes the film so brilliant is that it is like multi-layered in that way. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch oh, yeah. of things there. I mean, you just, I'm just sort of taking them off. I mean, you, but certainly uh, Tolkien's concept of the land of fairy, which, you know, Tolkien introduces this idea that there are these two parallel worlds. One is the world of space and time, but the other is the world of fantasy. And uh, that when you go into the land of fantasy, you look back over at the land of reality and see it with insights you didn't have before. Well, so and that's just the divided worlds. You know, so it's Middle Earth, Neverland, Hogwarts, Narnia, all of those are uh, examples of that kind of thing here, which they clearly are here, Barbie land in the new world and then the real world. The thing that happens here is that the division breaks down all over the place and threatens chaos. When you have the, uh, the Mattel board of these super patriarchal guys riding around in Barbie land, I mean, all, what it made me think of was um, Laurel and Hardy and Babes in Toyland. You know? yeah. That's a great idea. That's funny. Yeah, that's so true. And I think, so I think the biggest part of this movie is that and a lot of movies, even movies that are female-led, like if you look at Ray in Star Wars or, or you know, um, like certain films, they're, they're not fully made for the female gaze. And um, this movie was 100% made with the female gaze, which is very different. And I think it's why a lot of men are having issue with it that we see like online and stuff is because it's like not for them, even though it can still be enjoyed by them. But what I want to kind of address over overall which i know dad you're probably gonna bring up joseph campbell so you can chime in but um what i want to kind of address with this film and like why i also think it's so it's so brilliant i mean in so many ways we know greta Roig has made hundreds of easter eggs within this film that we could spend three hours dissecting but um i actually want to bring up um i think the book came out in 2021 but um maria uh tater or totter she wrote a um, the heroine of a thousand and one faces. Dad, are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. So basically, she um, studied under Campbell, but she was kind of like, what about the women, right, in these hero arcs? And he kind of was like, well, the heroes are the mothers, they're the protectors, they're the like prizes at the end of the quest. And she was kind of, you know, not really satisfied with that for her. And um, so she wrote this book called The Heroine's Journey, which is different than The Hero's Journey. I'm sure it has overlaps, um, but I just want to kind of go through it and we can kind of talk about different things within the movie because it's just so much to break down in this film. I don't want to to miss any of the amazing things within it, but at the same time, um, just for the listeners, definitely don't listen to this if you haven't seen the movie. We're going to be bouncing all over the place because it's just too many too many things in this film. It's, it's. I mean, this film is going to be talked about and taught and referenced in terms of understanding the female, you know, everything. So, um, so in the heroine's journey, you start out with a separation from the feminine. So we see that right away where she's, you know, they say malfunctioning. She's got flat feet all of a sudden. Her, you know, perfect breakfast is burnt and the milk is um, spoiled and like all these things are starting to go wrong. And they're like, you know, saying that she's kind of malfunctioning. But that's kind of where the heroine's journey starts, is um, a separation from the feminine. And if anyone wants to like interject, feel free to at any time. Wait, the sec I have one, yes. sorry, 
I'm sure we'll touch on it, but I know, Dad, you guys mentioned, like, you know, Narnia and Tolkien. I think to me also the, the obvious one is Wizard of Oz, which we even see a poster of Wizard of Oz yes. when she's going in the car on a yellow brick road. So mm-hmm. Yes, and we actually see down, like, in the theaters, like, down into Oz, right? Like, you can see. Yes. I think there's, like, a little Easter egg there, for sure. Um, I also want to, like, just interject, James, now you're saying that, um, that um, in interviews, Greta Gerwig has said that, like, over 90% of this film was real. Like, the set was completely real. The car was real. It was electric. It could actually drive. Like, all of their traveling to and from Barbie land is real. And she, like, referenced old school musicals where they're literally on this, like, like belt that just kind of, like, wheels. And it's all hand-painted backdrops. And, like, everything's, like, I think the color and the vibrancy and the beauty in this film shows so much. And the fact that it's not all CG'd, which I really am appreciating. And I hope more like directors kind of take that note because it really paid off. Like it, it paid off unbelievably. And to the point where she said the set and everyone working on it was so into it that they were making all these little detailed handmade things that were just like beautiful. So, I mean, I love that it really like lets the creatives be really creative when it comes to prop making and sets and all that stuff. So I just want to like kind of say that. Um, okay, the second the second part of the journey is the identification with the masculine and gathering of allies. So I feel like that's what happens when, as soon as she enters the real world with Ken, where everything's obviously flipped, everything's like a parody, where everything in Barbie land is run by women. The Kens are just kind of there. They're the accessory. It's honestly, it says a lot of deep things, but any man that gets upset about this, any girl can tell you, Ken didn't matter. Ken was less important than the shoes and the clothes. Like Ken was like the bottom of the accessories, you know, and like I think Ryan Gosling understood that too and really played into that. So um you have this flip where now there's the identification with the masculine where she's feeling ogled, she's feeling kind of self-conscious, she's feeling like all these weird things that's very different from her for, than Barbie Land. And then the next step is the road of trials, which can be like meeting an ogre or meeting dragons. And I would say that this part for her is really like getting arrested like kind of like the multiple times they get arrested kind of as she's trying to kind of find her kid that's playing with her and like why they're sad and depressed and like she's malfunctioning. Then it's um, finding the boon of success, which I would say is her finding the girl um, and like, which then we find out is actually the mom or whatever. And then um, awakening to feelings of spiritual um, acrity and death, which is earlier in the film, but obviously she's thinking about death a lot and everything, which we find out is all from the mom playing with her and stuff. Then it's the initiation and ascent to goddess, um, where I think that's where she's really like realizing when she runs away from the boardroom that she like doesn't want to go back in the box and like wants to escape. And then the urgent yearning to reconnect with the feminine. Again, that's like, I think her just wanting to get back to Barbie land and, and, um, and um, like she gets picked up by the mom and daughter and they're like kind of in this chase to go back to Barbie land. And then um, also her interaction with Ruth, who's like the ghost that lives like on the 47th floor or whatever, like the jokes that they make are like so unbelievably funny, but, um, and then healing the mother daughter split, which obviously is a huge part of the movie and a huge heartbeat for the film where they played with Barbies and the teenagers, you know, becoming a teenager and wants nothing to do with her mom. And, her mom's kind of sad about that and just sad about, you know, just like kind of things in general is feeling like a little lonely. So she starts playing with the dolls the way she and the kid used to play with. 
Um, and then we have that like amazing speech from America. Oh, whatever. So then, um, he, so then it's healing the mother daughter split. Then it's healing the wounded masculine, which would be Ken and all the Kens. And then it's integration of the masculine and the feminine. So I feel like this movie like unbelievably hits this heroine's journey arc, which I would say is different than the hero's journey. Um, in a lot of ways. And the fact that Ken has his own arc and that the fact that Ken and the Kens aren't the villains, they just, they want to be more important than they are, right? And it's it's not even like they're mistreated by the Barbies or like ogled or or kind of like, you know, treated the way women are treated in our world. But it's almost like the fact that they're not needed upsets them. Like, like, like they say it so perfectly, we're like, Barbie has a good day every day, but Ken only has a good day if Barbie looks at her. So the whole, like, uh, like I'm enough, like, Ken is me, I'm Kenough, like, all that stuff at the end, they really, like, do justice to all the characters in this film. And they really, like, it, it, it's, it's, I just thought it was, it was so good. I want to go see it, like, right now. So that's my whole heroine's journey. We can talk about all the different things we loved about it. Um, um, America Ferrera's uh, um, speech that she gives about how hard it is to be a woman was obviously amazing. And that's going to be like kind of like a top movie moment, I think for the, for the, for film in general. But the, but I was saying to Liz, like the fact that like, I think it, it was on the pulse so hard where like so much of my TikTok feed and other things is women saying these exact things and women being so tired and the double standards and like the, like, like the whole, like you are not doing it right. It's like, it's, it's just, it's so spot on and it's, I don't think in any way an attack on anyone else. I think it's just, it's just putting it into the air what women are already clearly feeling. And, um, and it was just like so beautiful to see that actually like displayed on film. Yeah. And, and I would really recommend the first two films because, uh, well, you know, we, we, we saw Barbie and then we went back and, and looked at both, um, little uh, women Lady and, Bird. um, Lady Bird. Yeah. And then saw Barbie again. And uh, it's uh, they're really like almost could be seen as a, as a set like a, almost like a Bergman esque type of trilogy, you know. Uh, yeah. They all focus. Uh, again, we're talking about the you know the role of the woman and so forth. The other thing too here it, it, I find striking is came toward the end is the idea that and uh, but I think it's the other films too is that salvation is found in relationships. The view of salvation in both theology and philosophy in in Western history tends to be very individualistic. You know, I'm the believer. I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Or, you know, or, or, uh, I think therefore I am. Uh, here, it, it's definitely the idea of relationships is what's going to, you know, and that's, uh, I think that's true in all three of those films. Yeah, definitely. And what we have here is a uh, almost like a, a modern day Orson Welles or something, you know, coming up with a real advance in the use of the film media. Mm. Yeah, and I think they couldn't have um, put forward all of these issues around patriarchy if they hadn't done it in such a fun way and the film hadn't also tapped into all of these other themes. You know, it's, it's, it's really a masterpiece and it functions on so many levels that like, while that is the thing that people are most discussing. I think like what dad brought up at, at the beginning, just like talking about how, you know, it's it's so rich with these philosophical themes that like you are willing 
to hear what the film is saying. You don't get put off by it being too in your face, even though it is in your face. They do it in a way that's both brilliant and campy. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. And it's funny. I mean, that, that a lot, you get it's a lot very of funny. It's funny. I mean, look at, I mean, there's great stuff in the Marx Brothers, uh, serious stuff in the Marx Brothers, uh, or Chaplin or Keaton, but they get away with it because it's, it's done with humor. And uh, a, a, femin- a, a kind of humorous feminist manifesto is an intriguing idea, to say the least. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this and this movie is not like overall serious tones with like a little bit of, you know, haha moments here and there, or even what you'd see in like a, a horror film or whatever. This is a straight up comedy comedy. It is like funny after funny after funny, like not like not anything other than the comedy. So the fact that it does hit such heavy notes, the fact that you can be laughing and crying, it's it's really brilliant. And even the even the fact that they go back to Barbie land and it's almost like now that the Kens have taken over and have implemented patriarchy and like that now they have to kind of like save Barbie land versus being like, I was like assuming that it was just going to be in the real world the rest of the movie. So the fact that it wasn't, I thought was like so, so smart and like, I enjoyed it so much more because of that. And my favorite sequence is hands down between America Ferrera's speech about women and then the fact that the way that they employ the men to use decoy Barbies that have gotten snapped out of their kind of serving a man like like a, they're in like a Trance like a mind whatever. fog yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and the the sequence that they do that is just it's so funny and it's so relatable. And the, the amount of women that I heard just howling laughing because all of them have been in like scenarios like that and I'm laughing at all over online it's it's all these women saying I never realized you were having the guitar the guitar sung at you oh and now I know what it was because every woman's had that experience at some point <laughs> and it's like it's or just having like men explain the film to you yes I yes I love the way I love the way, way she's like is this a godfather <laughs> like she says it the wrong like Oh syllables God, I feel like Issa Rae <laughs> is not getting enough credit for like how hilarious she is oh I she's love her so everyone's much. so good Michael Sarah like <laughs> Kate McKinnon everyone outshines themselves in these roles like outshines themselves but yeah where, where she's like Photoshop is so hard like I just <laughs> it, it, it's so brilliant because it is so true and like it's just so funny to see it to see it on film not not even trying to be subtle, but just unapologetically, un- unapologetically being, yeah, this is how we play men. <laughs> like it's just, it's just. I, but I also love that they are always kind to the Kens about it, right? It's like even, even when Barbie's like, I feel bad, I don't want to hurt him, and America Ferrera's character's like, girl, he took your home, he took your world, he like, like mind swept all the Barbies and she's like oh yeah and it's like so relatable where any girl is like I don't want to make him feel bad it's like um he did this 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 and this you're like oh yeah like it's just it was it was really 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 well done and that's one of the things I love the most about this heroine's journey was reading that part of her journey is ha- is having to heal the wounded masculine like it's so true it's just so true where women have to fix themselves but then also have to like kind of like be the support to the masculine like always you know and 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 it's and there's nothing wrong with that but it's I love the way they showed it I love that Barbie wasn't in love with Ken I love the way their storyline kind of ended and that it was and even where 
um, Issa Rae's present present character is like, I it shouldn't go back to the way it was, right, or whatever. Like like that it should continue to evolve and grow. And the Kens they can't be on you know the top seats, but they can have a little you know judge thing here and there, like where they can wear robes. <laughs> and I just love I just I loved all of that so 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 much. And this uh, the the uh, uh, to me the great opening uh, takeoff on uh, two thousand one. Oh my gosh! Smashing the uh, smashing the baby dolls. So amazing! Is, Even just a, having her so huge in the vintage. Dolls and smashing them, you know. Right? I know, I know, I know. And what what Greta Gerwig also did excellently that I think was a real challenge is Barbie is this weird. Is she like a feminist and is she girl empowerment or is she? like the opposite and like you know kind of this like object to be ogled and it's always kind of gone back and forth throughout history and I recently rewatched um just this specific episode on the toys that made us on Barbie and um it is interesting because even you know seeing interviews with Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig it's like they were so self-aware of the fact that Barbie is both of these things and kind of doing that fine line where you know in Margot Robbie's interview she's like look like Barbie went to space as an astronaut before women could own their own credit cards. Like it's, there's this, this, this weird back and forth, but then they address it so perfectly too with the daughter where she reams out Barbie saying like, basically she's a fascist and like gave them all like, you know, body positivity issues and, and all this different stuff. And, and um, it just, it addresses everything so, so, so well and really gave Barbie so, so much more depth, I think, than what, she was really being perceived as more currently, which I think is more like a just objectification, you know? Yeah, I heard in an interview, she was like, well, maybe she's complex. And it's like, that's such a great way to say it. It is, it's, co- it's a complex issue. It's not one or the other. It's kind of And both. that's really, yeah, and that's really addressed in that speech where she's like, if all these things can also be true for a doll that's merely just supposed to represent women, like, it's so, it's so well, so well played out. It's so well done. Yeah. It, it is amazing that Mattel let them make this movie because, like, the amount of shots they take at Barbie as, like, a product, because, like you said... And the, the whole do- brand. <laughs> well, the whole brand, exactly. I mean, but, yeah, I, I think to have both America Ferrara's speech about women, but then also the daughters, like, reaming of what Barbie is and how detrimental that is to, like, you know, young women and how they see themselves, like, it, it really is, yeah, to all your points, like, it's so complex. And I think, yeah, I mean... Going back to the very first trailer that showed that whole 2001 scene, I knew we had something special. As soon as Greta Gerwig was on board, I knew this was going to just be a here's here's. I knew this wouldn't just be the Super Mario Brothers movie, but with Barbie. Which no offense to that movie, but that movie is just here's the brand and that's it. This movie just goes so far above them. I agree with you, Pops, about how it is about relationships. But what I like about how the movie ends with both kind of Ken and barbie's arcs but kind of they both have to have like their own kind of self-discovery i think that's just so prominent and and i think very potent for men and women in terms of relationships about like you do have to kind of like find yourself and find what is it about me that works for me as opposed to like i just need to be with someone just because i think i have to be with them you have to kind of like discover what is about me that i need to get a handle on who i am before i can start a relationship with somebody else and i think like i like that the movie kind of ends in that way well, and it's like uh, we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And if there isn't genuine self-love, there can't be the love of the other. Right. And and, and that's what I think Ken has to understand, where it's like, you know, I've always just been, it's always Barbie and Ken. There's no 
can on his own. It's like, that's what you right. have to kind of find about yourself. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the playfulness of this movie, as it is a movie about a toy. And I think it actually has a great level on uh, which it operates um, that is about like immersive imaginative play. And um, like, like, I think that it's really interesting that actually like in the beginning of the movie, Barbie doesn't want to go to the real world. She's actually not interested in becoming real. She wants to stay in Barbie land and have everything stay the way it is, right? And, um, and so she's forced into a kind of disillusionment about who Barbie is and how people in the real world feel about her and how the real world works. And she didn't want that, but it happened to her. And I feel like this is like a real nod to how play works for children. Like, you know, one thing that's so powerful about play for kids is that they can go into that world and they make all the rules. They decide how that whole world operates and they make every decision about it. But when children are in the real world, they don't have that control. They have so little control in their own lives. You know, they can't make decisions and they can't, you know, like, like set the rules. Um, and so that's why play is so good for kids. Kids, you know, it helps them regulate. It helps them work out issues. It helps them learn how to be in the world, ultimately. <laughs> and I think it's interesting that at the end of the movie, Barbie land is basically better even than it was at the beginning of the movie because now Ken even is acknowledged more and they've worked everything out and they've, they got rid of patriarchy in Barbie land. And, and yet Barbie doesn't want to stay there. And like, why doesn't she want to stay there? And I, I think the reason she doesn't want to stay is the same reason that kids can't keep playing with Barbie as they get older. It's like, you can't stay in that world at a certain point as you get older, it no longer works for you. You can no longer immerse yourself in that imaginative land. And so Barbie has to go live in the real world because she grew up. Well, and, well I, I th yeah, finish that. It's also Tolkien's idea that it's, it's, it's when we look at fairy stories, we're preparing ourselves for the real world. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like that's a good way. We have to talk about, I think, the the scene on the bench with the older woman, because I feel like that is oh, to the yeah. point where she has her first tears and she says something about, oh, you know, like this is this is hard, but it's also kind of nice. It's kind of like because she's she's having complex emotions and and then yeah, right. the moment with the woman, she's like, you're so beautiful. Like she's never seen an older woman before, and apparently right. that and that woman is the costume designer. But like I love that she's like, I know, yeah. like it's like I I know she has this comp like over exuding confidence, but it's also so nice because. You know, when she's first getting cellulite in the beginning as part of her malfunctioning, it's this, like, horrible thing she doesn't want to happen, you know? So for then to her, like, to look at, like, a much older woman and, like, see the beauty in her is, like, so important. And it's also, like, like Liz, to, like, hop on what you were saying, it's also, like, why Barbie was created. Like, um, Ruth Handler, like, has said in so many interviews that, like, basically, and that is the whole... 2001 space odyssey beginning is that before barbie every single toy for girls was conditioning them to be a mother and to be like a housewife and like it was all like cleaning supplies and kitchens and babies and there was nothing to just be like a woman or to just be an individual and um i forget how it was it was something like maybe paper dolls her kids her daughter would be playing with paper dolls pretending to be a grown woman 
and whatever inspired her to be like, we should have just a woman that the, that girls can kind of, yeah, vicariously pretend to be adults. I mean, we have all these other toys for, for boys that is basically that, pretending to be a cowboy, pretending to be, you know, cops and robbers, like all these, you know, adults things. And um, so it was, it was, I think that's why it was so monumental, but also so like polarizing when it first came out too, because for, and it shows in our country why, like for it to be so polarizing to just have a grown woman as a doll, everyone sees it instantly as a sexual thing first. And that's like how society, our society is in general, right? It's and, so funny though, Gwen, because like when you think about the toys that were popular, like when you look at the toys that made us like docuseries and like something like He-Man, it's like, we're not worried that boys have like body complex issues right. because like He-Man has right. so many and muscles. He-Man's wearing like his, no clothes. And he would like, like never stand up. His legs are so short. Like Right. A really interesting thing, like rewatching the toys that made us about Barbie and of course, you know, every girl knows at some point you have an ugly Barbie where all her hair gets cut off. You, at, at some point, every Barbie you own is naked and like no longer has clothes. And that's all part of it. But um, they were saying the reason Barbie's so disproportionate, um, and especially when she has no clothes and why it's like way more noticeable is because they said basically creating all these little, very fashion driven clothes for a doll and they're saying like there's not there's no mini looms there's no mini sewing machines like you're using regular sewing machines to make these tiny tiny clothes for a doll so they elongated her neck i think like twice the size of her normal neck and the same with like her torso so that the clothes when they're on wouldn't be so bulky and like when they were first testing it it was like when they put her in a blazer or in a whatever it was so bulky so they kept elongating parts of her so that she could wear the belt, so she could wear whatever. So when she's wearing clothes, it looks a lot more realistic. And that made a lot of sense. That made a lot of sense. You know, I was like, that really, I can understand then why that is the way it is from a, from a like construction standpoint, you know? Oh, that's but, so interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't, I didn't either. And I, it's funny because I'd watched that a, like a while, like a long time ago. Like it was the, it's in the first season of the toys that made us on Netflix. There's um, a Barbie episode. And it's really, really good. It's like less, it's like 45 minutes. But um, also um, Greta Gerwig in an interview, of course, the, the whole ending when she is now a full human and they're dropping her off and she's, you know, still got some pink elements, but she's, you know, you know, in casual clothes and you, you're assuming, well, maybe she's going for an interview or maybe she's like doing whatever. And she walks in and she says, you know, her name is Barbara, whatever. And she's like, I'm here to see my gynecologist. And it's, of course, very funny. And everyone laughs. And she's so excited because she has no idea how horrible it's going to be. And like, um, <laughs> and like Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig said that the reason why she did that is because so much of like becoming a woman is so like not talked about. Like if you're on your period, you have to act like everything's fine, even though studies have now shown that it's like the pain of having a heart attack, like every month, like, and like all of our, everything in our society is like, oh, you can do it all. You can like run a marathon and be like a, a professional Olympic sport person while you're on your period. And like, she was saying, even just going to that doctor and like getting checked out and doing whatever just has this like this like um not shame about it but you're uncomfortable and like you don't talk about it and she wanted to be like 
to young girls, oh, if Barbie does it, like, I, I can do it or whatever. Yeah. And I thought that was such a, like, great thing because it is this, like, no one, no one talks about these things unless, like, you have women that, you know, will specifically talk to you about it. But no one lets you know these things and you just kind of have to figure it out with either older siblings or, like, parents or whatever. And it's And it was such a good explanation on top of it just being so funny. Yeah. I think like to to like the point we made about how like the whole movie has a very light tone and like the movie is like very funny. I think this is like one of the funniest movies I've seen in a long time. But I, I think to, to that Gwen, like I think the movie does a good job of handling some of these like darker issues in a more like um accessible way. Like I think for example, like the scene when she goes to the Mattel office where they're trying to put her in the box and like mm-hmm. that idea has a very dark and scary connotation to it but it's done in like this playful way that then leads to this whole like escape but even that is like introducing younger audiences certainly younger girls to like how 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 kind of like wrong that is but also like in a way that that is kind of like scary but also again very like approachable totally totally i hadn't really even thought about that scene being scary james until you just said that and then i'm like i mean well to me to me me it's like as soon as they're like tying her hands which again yeah it feels dark but also you unbox any doll like i've done this a million times for your kids my nieces and nephews but like whenever you're undoing the back it's like that's what it is but like seeing it as like a real person you're like oh this is like has a whole new meaning yeah 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 i was also gonna say like talking about like the kind of like the emotional like trajectory of her story and kind of like the idea of like kind of like what you said was like the idea of like kids having having the world of play to sort of like uh to sort of like develop their emotions and their and their and their social skills i mean i know we can mention like a hundred million movies that this is sort of like inspired by but i thought a lot about inside out and the idea of like we have like the joy character who wants everything to be perfect and happy and then like but by where that movie ends like it's like no like like you can have sadness and happiness coexisting and that's not a bad thing it's just about growing up and about like yeah getting more more right. navigating those emotions yeah exactly yeah. And I love that, you know, I like kind of to dad's point from a while ago about relationships, like really this film is about relationships. Like it is, a, it is at the heart. And I think you spoke to this one, you know, at the heart, this is a mother daughter story, right? Because R- mm-hmm. Ruth made this doll for her daughter, Barbara. And, and then I love how really, you know, we, Barbie's told that she has to go to the real world to fix the schism between Barbie land and the real world. But actually what gets fixed is the schism between the mother and the daughter and that disconnect that they were having. And, you know, the mother feeling that nostalgia for her daughter when she was younger and now her daughter's a teenager and doesn't want her to touch her and doesn't want to hug her. And like, and I mean, as a parent, that is like heartbreaking. I know that that's part of the like arc of each child's life, but And I think that's relatable for both fathers and daughter and mothers, you know, I think all parents experience that. Right. So it's like, I think it's like so relatable and I mean, just, just alone to have the mom be someone that's working at Mattel, be playing with this old Barbie that, you know, is now having thoughts of death and, you know, cellulite and, you know, like crippling anxiety and that she's like drawing all these versions of these Barbies. And even at the end when she's suggesting, can't there just be like a normal mommy who, or a normal Barbie Barbie. who's like a mom or isn't a mom or just wants to have a good day and wear a cute top or is also president, but maybe isn't president. Like it's, it was so relatable. No, that's that one. (laughs) No, 
I mean, you know, I just had to make myself my own depression Barbie t-shirt because I couldn't find anything. <laughs> like, I would buy like just the whole mock commercial of like oh depressed Barbie where she's in sweats and she's like watching Pride and Prejudice BBC on repeat for like the ninth time. And like- too long watching her ex-friend, best friend on Instagram. Yeah, looking at her ex-best friend's like engagement photos on, on social media. Like it just, it was so, so smart. It's so relatable. It hits so close to home, but also in a way that's just so fun to watch. Like it was just so fun to watch. And did you like the Spice Girls needle drop one? I love the, the Spice Girls shot. Um, we haven't talked about I'm Just Ken yet, which, again, is also a masterpiece and was, again, one of my favorite parts in the whole movie where the Kens, the Barbies have kind of used the Kens to basically have them all have insecurities amongst each other and go to war and Ryan Gosling sings the I'm Just Ken song. But even them fighting on the beach and all they're using is like all the Barbie accessories. Like I just, it, cause like it was just so, so good. I have this like mental image of Greta Gerwig kind of as an artist with like a palette and like on the palette is like so much of film history that she's just like taking a little bit from here and like adding it to the movie. Like, you know, she's, she talks about um, referencing Greece, like in that scene where they're all wearing like the black shirts and the black pants and like that. I mean, maybe there's a, even like that Monty Python move where they're all like riding horses, but they're like, I know riding the I, I horses because I thought of Greece. I also thought of West Side Story, like the the Jets, the Sharks. But yeah, yes, they're all totally. black. Dad, you know, she Greta Gerwig said that the movie The Red Shoes was a big influence on her, and. Um, mm -hmm. She talks about the the directors there being so playful and sort of moving between sort of imaginary and real worlds, like so, somewhat fluidly. I've yeah. never actually seen that movie, though. I don't know. Well, you have to. It's interesting to see that Michael Powell did that, and he also did um, James. You remember this? Uh, his horror film uh, about women being murdered and photographed. Oh, uh, Peeping Tom. Uh, Peeping Tom. Yeah. Oh, it's the same person, really? Same director, yeah. I've seen Peeping Tom, yeah. And yeah, and I think too the you know the the uh, to me the uh, sudden shift, the mention of death, uh, almost feels like a Val Luton moment, you know, just just out of nowhere, you know, and and everything freezes. I mean, it's like it, it's it's it is a traumatic moment in the movie, but I think it's also interesting that. You know, she's finally Greta, uh, and how do you pronounce her name? Gerwig. Uh, Gerwig, yeah. That that she l launches this by first doing Little Women, which is probably one of the most major uh, literary pieces dealing with women's lives in American history. I mean, it, you know, it, uh, she really went through the whole yeah. cycle of that. You know, and, and each of each of the of the sisters has a different story and. So forth, but I, I, I when we when we watched Little Women, I could say, boy, yeah, no wonder she um, did that first, you know, and it's a and, and pops, and you yeah, you mentioned like that and Lady Bird. I agree. I mean, I think all three are fantastic, but also not only that, but there, there's definitely a, a spiritual element to I think all three films. I mean, Lady Bird is clearly very I think autobiographical for Greta Gerwig, and like she's mentioned that Little Women's like one of her favorite stories. But even with this, I mean, I, I think having um, having uh, Rhea Perlman's character, like they mentioned her as like a ghost. She almost is acting like a sort of spiritual guide mm. for her. Like she has a yeah, sort of like- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like in the, uh, uh, the, the, the the Gabriel, the angelic figure, you know? And, uh, yeah. and then have her be a, 
to be a woman is um, significant too. Yeah, and to have the whole montage at the end when they are kind of in this void and and she's talking to Barbie and Barbie's kind of like, well, you're my maker. Like, is being human something I have to like ask for or whatever? And she's like, no, it's like, and and the line that like she um that she gives where it's like we mothers like stand still so that our daughters can look back to um see like how far they've come or whatever. It was so beautiful. But then that whole montage of found of um home videos was apparently the whole cast like all the crew and the actors and everyone sent in home videos of just different women in their lives and stuff and I thought that was like also such a nice love letter to the people that made the movie like as well as just also so powerful in terms of what it means to become human and become woman or whatever but I just I, I I can't believe how flawless this movie was I just I really can't believe how flawless this movie was and how also like this movie like you said Liz it's like everything's gonna be before Barbie and after Barbie I think it's gonna be really true and I think a lot of women are gonna find their inner voices and find their inner power through this movie I mean it's uh, already you're seeing women being like this is the the curve for dating now like like what did you think of the Barbie movie like it's like it's it's gonna be like I think it's going to be very monumental in a lot of ways. Well, it's sort of like that line in the movie that, that she said, like, now I'm not going to get it right, but something like, you know, humans die or whatever, but ideas live forever. And it's like, it's sort of the same for a movie, right? Movies, movies end, but like the ideas and the conversation that this film has generated can oh yeah make significant, potentially make significant. And, and this piece of art will live, maybe not forever, but will live way beyond you know, the actors and the director and stuff. I feel like we could talk about this movie forever and ever and ever. Honestly, this movie could be broken down scene for scene in so many ways. So I just, any like last final things that anyone wants to add in before we kind of wrap up? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I want to, I like the, the James's point about the, you know, the Rhea Perlman character uh, as being a, a spiritual kind of figure. And I think that, you know, or the thing like the fairy godmothers and figures like that throughout history. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, they're very fantasized and they're very idealized. But uh, I think this idea that, um, you know, you, you know you're, you're raising, uh, I mean, classic issue, you know, the introduction of death into the film. To me, when I first saw it, that really was startling. Like, oh, you know, you're thinking, I mean, you're thinking of, a, it, it, you know, it's a, uh, a candy top movie kind of thing, you know, uh, just fooling around. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. And that's the <laughs> thing about death, you know. <laughs> yeah. It definitely fits, I think, uh, that that German philosophical thing. You're just being thrown out into the face of death, you know. Uh, it's nothing gradual, nothing you get to prepare for. Uh, it, it just happens at you. And the, the real great touch of that is that everybody else freezes. And I thought that was really, I mean, that that indicated to you right away, this is not just a um, a, a toy kind of movie. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is now dealing with life and death. This is dealing with, the, you know, the big issues that everybody faces. And what about the Kens, you know, and, and the those idiotic uh, the Mattel executives, you know, running around. Uh, they're still around. And, you know, is there any hope for them? Great question. Yeah, it's a good question. Another good point I want to point out we didn't really get to talk about Alan, but a lot of stuff I was reading is that Alan is like what 
what what men like the the, like the great example of a man where it's like if you think about it he's the one that's an individual he sides with the women and understands the women he helps the women he's even the one that's doing the fighting at the end like when they're like kind of you know in like slight danger with the mom and daughter it's like very funny like the way they did alan was and had these underlying themes but also you know we're making fun of all these like weird barbies that have been out through the ages between alan and and like sugar yeah. daddy ken or all these like like it's like the like the way that they can just do the comedy with the serious tone sugar is, and like, i'm a daddy <laughs> it's just so i it was it was so smart so so smart my 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 closing remarks i mean i just say like you know we sort of mentioned it but like the marketing of this movie 10 out of 10 and obviously like we got to just talk about the whole like barbenheimer as like this whole phenomenon but like yeah I, I just i just love how well this movie is doing because like as someone who like goes to see so many movies in theaters and all these other movies that are underperforming and all these talks about like what is the future of movie theaters like to see a movie like this just come in and like rejuvenate theaters where like yeah people are coming out in droves in pink going to see the movie it really is like an event and like i think as like a movie mm-hmm. lovers as we all are like that's just so exciting to see totally I love that um my closing remarks as somebody who grew up playing with barbie who like checked the shape of pr- christmas present packages under the tree in hopes that they were the shape of a Barbie box and who like zeroed in on the aisle that was all pink always in the toy store. Um, I had kind of forgotten about all of that as a grown up and as a mom. And I feel like this movie has brought my like crazy struggles as a mom, as a woman trying to like do so many things together with that little girl who loved Barbie and they did it in such a brilliant way. That was my final remarks. <laughs> here, here. I completely agree. And I, I can totally sympathize with that. I remember touching, if you touched the, like the clear plastic part of the box, you knew it was a Barbie, <laughs> like it's touching the outside of the package. Oh, and I, I just want to, I want to know exactly. You could hear it. Right. But I just to dad's point about death. And, and again, I think that, Again, this is another way in which the film is so intuitive about children, I I think, actually. Even though this is a film for adults, I think it gets so many things right about who kids are and and how they play and how we as adults remember playing as kids. And um, kids think about death. They do. And they worry about death. And um, just last night, I was putting Silas to bed, and (laughs) he was like... um, something like mom do you think about your end he's like I don't want to end and like that's what he's talking about going to sleep so I think you know in the same way we don't sort of talk about the gynecologist we also don't talk about death and yet kids are thinking about these things and wondering about these things and it's kind of good to raise them that is such a great story like and you're so right because I feel like my kids is because obviously even just watching basic Disney movies like The Lion King and Bambi, they have these themes, you know, so kids are well aware of, of, of that stuff. But um, yeah, I think this has been a great discussion. We should all just go see Barbie again tomorrow. And um, this has been 10 Times a Terror. And I'm going to say bye, Barbie, instead of closing us all out. So maybe everyone can say bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie.
Thank you for listening to It's Ten Times the Terror The Podcast Look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane It's, it's, it's Ten Times the Terror Thank you for listening to Ten Times the Terror This podcast would not be possible without listeners like you You can find out more about our podcast by visiting our website, 10timestheterror.com. That's 10xtheterror.com.